Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, and we're going to begin our reading tonight in verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, turn to a nearby Christian, um, or you can check out the screen, but I'd prefer that you found a Christian. Um, and we're going to dive into this. Amen. Father, bless your word. Amen. The word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I have anointed, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let's read that verse one more time. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let's hear Jeremiah's reply. Our sovereign Lord, I said, I'm smarter than you. I, I do not ha know how to speak, and I am only... A child. Remember who it was who said this to him, right? I, I am the Lord, right? God's speaking. I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says to the Lord, sovereign Lord, right? That's pretty, you know, that's accurate, right? He is sovereign. He can do what he wants. I don't know how to speak. And I am only a child. Check out God's reply. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. And he said to me, today I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down. This child, this boy who can't even speak, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This boy who is too young, who can't even speak. Today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. If you're gonna step into God's purpose, you most often have to start by overthrowing, tearing down, destroying, and then you get the honor of building and planting. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. I will never forget when it first happened to me. I was four years old, hadn't even started school yet. I'll never forget the second time it happened to me. I was six years old and I was standing at a church service. It, it, it stayed with me throughout all of my childhood years. And then when I found Christ at the age of 18 and then turned 19 years old, 
I was standing in a conference when it happened to me with absolute clarity and has stayed with me every day of my life. I will never forget when my life was awakened to purpose. I was four years old. I was staying in a room all by myself at my, at my home. I had a dream, and in the middle of the night, I knew God had a reason for my life. He had a purpose for me. He wanted me to serve Him with my life. I was four years old. I woke up crying. I was not afraid. I knew that the King of Heaven was after my life, and my life was awakened to purpose. At the age of six, I was standing in a church service. A prophet, great prophet, prophesied over my life. And he said, there's a call of God over you. You will be a preacher and a leader of people. My life was awakened to purpose. When I was 19 years old, I went to a conference. For six days, the preacher spoke on revival. And in the middle of that environment, I had a God encounter. I knew the manifest presence of God was moving in that room was moving in my heart. I felt God stirring and I knew that there was a God out there of infinite power and wonder who had a unique reason for why I have been placed on this planet. And from that moment to this, my life has been defined by an incredibly clear sense of purpose. These are key moments in my life, key moments in my journey. Tonight, we're reading about a extremely key moment in the journey of a young adolescent boy, a teenager, under the age of 18. His name is Jeremiah, who had an encounter with God. And we read tonight about his encounter with God. And we read that not only was it a God encounter, but when he encountered God, he encountered in his life his purpose. Friends, this is in no way an unusual passage in the Bible. This is, in fact, the theme of the Bible, that whenever you and I discover God in a real way in our lives, the moment you find Him, you find a reason for why you are here. Come on, if that's your experience, why don't you give God some real praise? <laughs> Jeremiah is young. He feels unqualified. He knows that his life is still ahead of him. Yet when God comes to his life, he speaks not to his future, not to his limitations, not to his youthfulness. God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, before you were born, before you were formed, even in your mother's womb, I already knew you. We serve the God who knows us, who forms us, who structures us. He says, before you were even born, I appointed you. I anointed you. Jeremiah, you are a prophet to the nations. No matter what your ethnicity, your education, your age, your stage of life, if you are hearing this message tonight, I want you to know that we serve the God who has a purpose in mind for each and every one of us. Come on, if you believe it, say yeah. I don't even need light. God still has a purpose. And I have an iPad, so you cannot take away my notes. Amen. <laughs> when we read the Bible, we discover that every time somebody encountered God, they discovered purpose. The Bible is not just a theme of God turning up in the lives of people. No, He never ever turns up in somebody's life without them discovering purpose. Noah. 
God turns up in his life, he discovers purpose. Jeremiah, uh, Abraham, God turns up in Abraham's life and he discovers purpose. Jacob was a church kid without an identity, yet God turned up in his life in his adolescent years and Jacob discovered his Moses thought he was just a burnt out wreck who had a dream in his youth that was really just a vain ambition. But somebody in the middle stage of life needs to know that often the dreams of your youth revisit you in the middle season of your life. God is faithful to his word. And if you believe it, shout aloud, yeah. And Moses discovered the God of purpose. Joshua saw a man with a drawn sword in front of his hand and discovered that he was indeed called to be God's deliverer, God's conqueror. He discovered not only a new understanding of God, he discovered his purpose. Gideon was in a wine press when Jesus turned up in his life and the Bible tells us that when he discovered God, he discovered his purpose. He built an altar and said, the Lord is peace. But not only did he discover the Lord of peace, our Jehovah Shalom, he also discovered the God who was going to walk with him in every battle that he faced in his life. His awakening to God was an awakening to when Samuel was lying down in the temple and he discovered the voice of the Lord. He not only discovered how to converse for God, sorry, converse with God, he discovered how to speak for God. And when he discovered God, he discovered his life's purpose. He anointed the first two kings of Israel, brought in a new era into his nation, heralded unprecedented prosperity and success for the kingdom of Israel. When he discovered the voice of God, he discovered his purpose. When David was anointed king over Israel by that prophet Samuel. He not only received the new anointing, felt the touch of God. Have you ever felt that? We sang a song in every venue this evening. You can use me, Lord, for your glory. You can use me. Did anybody begin to sing that song and found that it was not just a song you were singing up, but the presence of God was falling right down? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, Hamilton, let me hear you tonight. When you and I begin to connect with God, it always does more than just remain a one-way experience. As David discovered God and his anointing fell over his life, he discovered his life's When Solomon began to pray and God said to him in an appearance in the middle of the night, ask me for anything, I will give it to you. When Solomon answered the Lord, he discovered not only the God of all eternity was not just his father, but now, sorry, was not only his father's God, but now his God. Solomon discovered not only that, he discovered his life's purpose. Isaiah was already a prophet, still an adolescent, still young. But when he stood in the temple and the Lord turned up in his life and said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah not only discovered a holy God and realized his fallibility before him, he realized that unpure lips could, could proclaim the praises of the most high God. And God wasn't want you and I looking at our flaws, our faults, our inadequacies either. He wants you and I to know that we serve the God who comes to our life to give us what? Purpose. Jeremiah discovered purpose. Ezekiel discovered purpose. Daniel encountered God and discovered purpose. Simon found Jesus not only to be a teacher and a carpenter, but a Messiah and proclaimed that he was the Son of God. And Jesus said to him that this revelation was not from man, but from God. 
and then discovered that God had more for him than just an understanding of who God's nature is. He had a change of name and a revelation of purpose. You are my rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not ever overcome you. Somebody give God praise that He is greater than your obstacles, greater than your challenges, greater than every force of hell that would try and come against you. Amen. The Apostle Paul was walking down a road on the way to a city by the name of Damascus when a blinding light came and struck him to the ground and a man whose profession was killing Christians discovered the Christ of the God of these Christians. His life was turned around, but he discovered not just a God who was out there. He discovered his life's purpose. God encounters are always purpose encounters. Whenever you come and you connect with God, it does, always does more in your life than just awaken you to the majesty of who He is. It always wakes, awakes within us a purpose for our lives as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we discover that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a purpose for us. We are not just a nobody, we are not random. You didn't just pop into this world as a big whoopsie. It doesn't matter what the event of your conception matters not, the process of your maturation. I want you to know that every single person on this planet was put together by the handiwork of God and exists for the purpose of Christ in their lives. And if you believe it, go ahead and give Him some praise right now. Come on. As I read this verse in preparation for the service, it struck me that we are God's handiwork. Have you ever made something with your hands? My daughter Lara draws pictures. She's always drawing. She's got books filled with pictures, pictures of all kinds of things. That's her handiwork. She draws. My son Will, it's Lego blocks. He gets out his Lego blocks and he uses his hands and he creates those things. For me, I had to look a little hard for the story, but I make gardens. That's what I do. Before you mock me too much, you need to know that Jesus was only ever confused for one other entity, and that was a gardener. And Jesus said, I am the son, but my father is the gardener. And I want you to know that I am also a wannabe landscaper for Jesus. With my hands, I make gardens. With Jillian's hands, she creates food creations. You have not lived until you have eaten one of my wife's dishes. We had Vietnamese chicken that was poached in coconut juice and put together with all raw vegetables and this beautiful sauce, a little bit of zing from ginger. And this was just my dinner last night, followed by bliss balls made of freshly roasted peanuts, protein powder, uh, uh, fresh medjool dates, all blended together for my rugby watching satisfaction. She makes things with her hands that bring pleasure to my physical body. Stay within some confines with that comment. But I want you to know that what you make with your hands, what you make with your hands, firstly, you get real good at, and secondly, what you make with your hands, you are proud of. And we learn in our Bible tonight 
that you and I are not just a dweeb, a nobody. You didn't just manifest into this world because of a random set of accidents. You are not the greatest mistake in the universe. You are not a product of biological evolution. You are the handiwork of God. God made you. You are what He made with His hands. And I want you to know when God looks at you, He says, I did real good and I am real proud of what I made. And you should praise God right now for what He made when He made you. Come on. I want you to know that God has a purpose for your life. No matter whether you're in Hamilton, Christchurch, Wellington, Dunedin, God has a purpose for your life. Jeremiah is a young guy. He thinks he is only a child and his purpose is later. Yet God turns up in his life and he says, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I have a purpose for your life. His purpose was significant. His purpose was greater than he knew. His purpose was for a better world. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations to make this world a better place. Whenever your purpose gets revealed in your life, it's always gonna have all three of these aspects in it. It's gonna firstly be significant, greater than you know, and make this world a better place. God has a purpose for your life. In the book of Judges in chapter six, is another tandem passage really to this one where the Bible tells us that Gideon is hanging out in a wine press and the Lord turns up in his life and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. When you look at Gideon, you've got a man who is at the bottom of a wine press, hiding from the world. The Midianite army is ravaging his nation. Yet when God looks at Gideon, he does not say scaredy cat. He does not say bound by timidity. He does not say controlled by fear. God does not say failure, wreck, not unafraid to get out of the world. He looks at Gideon and he speaks to what he formed when he made Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you. And by the way, I made you to be a mighty warrior. You are not what your fears try and tell you you are. You're not what the events of your past make you believe you are. You are not just a product of the environment that you live in, the economy that you are under, your level of education. I want you to know that you are who God says that you are. We've got Jeremiah who thinks that his purpose is later. We've got Gideon who feels that it is not his time. If the Lord is for me, then why is all this happening? Surely God's going to be for me, but God will be for me in a day that is yet to come. Jeremiah says, I am only a child. He was saying, it's not my time. I am not qualified. I am not ready yet. And friends, I want you to know that the devil would love for you and me to keep our purpose not in the present, but to put our purpose out there. All the devil really wants for every person is to sit in a service like this one, to vaguely kind of agree with my message, but to keep your purpose beyond you. 
out there in the future. And for your future to, sorry, your purpose to never ever jump from the future of your tomorrow right here into the here and now. In fact, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, the apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, do not let anyone look down on you because you were young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. When he speaks to those ends, they are all things that he needed to do. He needed to speak. He needed to live a life. He needed to live a life of love. He needed to have faith and be known for purity. And he is saying to Timothy, Timothy. Don't let the fact that you are young make you stop living in the here and in the now. This purpose isn't just when for the religious people say that you're old enough. It's not just when circumstance makes you think that you can do it. Timothy, I want you to know that your purpose is not for tomorrow. Your purpose is for right here today. See, friends. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we start looking at our purpose and we start saying stuff in here. You might not ever say it with your mouth, but how many people know that the most powerful conversation you have in your life is not one you have with another person, but one you have with your heart? And we start saying, well, you know, man, I'm just a bit too young. You know, you know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too poor. I'm uneducated, I'm disqualified. Somebody out there saying, John, I'm newly saved. It's amazing how the period of newly saved gets longer and longer and longer. I'm still at school, I'm still at university. I've just got my first job. I've just had my first child. Listen, this is the way it goes. Because I want you to know quickly enough in your life, truly, honestly, people end up saying, I've just had my first grandchild. I've just got this final promotion to management. I've just retired. And it's like, my gosh, how long are we going to allow every stage of our life to be a stage of procrastination? I don't know about you, but I don't believe Jeremiah was too young. I don't think Gideon needed to hang around a moment longer. I don't think you're unqualified. I don't think you're without God's grace. I don't think there's a person in this room who's too poor, who's a person in this room who's too newly saved. If there is a God in heaven who made you for your purpose, then your purpose is not out there. Your purpose is right here. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord some praise right now. See, friends, what the devil's going to do is he's going to throw at you everything that he can. Everything that he can to keep you waiting. The devil doesn't mind it when Christians get excited about their purpose. He doesn't. He minds it when they start living their purpose. What the devil wants to fill your mind with, my mind with, is a waiting room kind of Christianity. Where Jeremiah is just saying, come back in five years, because I'm too young. Gideon's saying, God, come back when the Midianites aren't ravaging the land, because it's clearly not my hour. Come back 
Moses is saying, find somebody else, you know, <laughs> like, come back because I've been waiting so long, it's too late. You should just get some young cat to do this. Everybody's saying, man, you know, I, I, I'm better to just wait here. One day you'll be ready. One day. But until then, just sit down. Wait your turn. Sit in your chair. Thresh some more wheat, Gideon. Wait till you're a man, Jeremiah. How does the devil attack our purpose? Friends, the way he attacks our purpose is by using our environment, the words of people, failure, comparison, experiences, to throw everything that he can at you and at me to get us to just sit down, stay in the chair, keep our life in pause, not live for God's purpose, just wait for another day to finally arrive. But friends, I want you to know that God doesn't have a plan for your life, that you are just gonna have to keep waiting for it to manifest in your world. There's a reason why Gideon's country was being ravaged by the Midianite army. There is a reason why the nations of the world were not in order in the time of Jeremiah. There is a reason why pressure comes our way to make us think that we should just stay young, stay small, sit down, accept that you're not educated, wait for your kids to grow up, procrastinate your dreams, give up on living today. The reason why is because the devil understands that all he's gotta do to abort the plan of God that is in our lives is to keep you sitting in this chair as long as he possibly can. So every encounter, every encounter that we find of God in a person's life is never just an encounter to something that is out there in the future. Every encounter we find of God in a person's life in the Bible is about moving them into an action in the here and in the now. I believe that God wants this series to be a time in our church where somebody declares, I'm not just newly saved, I'm not just young, I'm not just poor, I'm not just at school, I'm not just in this stage of life, but I am anointed and appointed and my time is right now. If you believe God's got a purpose for you and that purpose is right now, I want you to lift your voice and give God some praise. Come on. Oh, man. Check out this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he says, that's God. Sorry, the person, sorry. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. In the time of my favor, in the day of salvation, in the time and in the day, waiting for the time, waiting for the day. Well, check out the next sentence. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Literally, this verse is saying that we've got to change our theology, church. We've got to stop saying, when is my time? We're going to stop asking, when is my day? You know when Jesus found a guy 
sitting on the edge of a pool and discovered that he had been there for 38 years. He's like, I am going to mess this guy's life right up. I don't want him hanging out another day, another moment, another year, another decade of his life. He just said, do you want to be made well? And then he said, well, you know what? Now is your day to get well. I'm telling you, you don't have to sit in this chair, sit on the side, feel like you're too young, wait to get an education, wait for your kids to grow up. If God is in your life, then now is the time and now is the day. Now is the day. God's got a purpose for you and it isn't out there. God's purpose for you is right here. Come on, if you believe that, give God some praise right now. Come on. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus is talking with His disciples. He's finding the same thing. He says, you guys are saying, four more months, four more months, and then it's time for the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He said, man, you don't have to sit around and wait for your dreams. You don't have to sit around and wait for God to use you. If you're a university student, God wants to use you right now. If you're a high school, then there are open doors for you to lead, for you to minister, for you to change your school, change this nation. Not out there, but right now. If you've just had a children, a child, your children are doing well. If you've just had a child, then your future is not out there. Your future is right now. Friends, we must break free from any want, pressure, circumstance, desire for us to put our plan, our purpose into the days that are coming ahead. We must realize that right now is the hour of our purpose. Break free from our chair. Stand up and take our place in the world. You're bigger than you realize, more powerful than you will ever know. It's your season, your moment, your hour, and God is calling us to live His purpose right now. Perhaps the greatest change that can happen in our lives is for our purpose to become the dominant truth that governs our belief and behavior today. I want to say that again because this is really the linchpin of this entire sermon. Perhaps the greatest change that can happen in our lives is for our purpose to become the dominant truth that governs our belief and our behavior today. Because the truth is we all have truths, some true truths, some false truths, some de deceptive truths, and some lower truths. We know that Jesus is the way, the, the, the truth. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the truth. He is the way. And we must make the truth of what God says about us the dominant truth that exists within our lives. It's your moment, it's your hour right now to stop letting the deception of the world, the prince of the power of the air, something somebody said to you in a painful moment to become the dominant truth that governs your belief and behavior. Let's make the truth of who God says you are, 
of the part you have to play in the world, the dominant truth that decides what you believe, that decides how you behave right here in the here and in the now. Amen. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, we've got Jeremiah already having been called by God. But then the Bible says in verse 13, Jeremiah says to God, if the Lord is for us, the Lord has just said to him, the Lord is with, the Lord is with you, 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 you. Find a person around you, point your finger in their face and say, you. The Lord speaks to Gideon and he says, bro, homie, I'm trying. <laughs> the Lord is with you. Well, listen to Gideon's reply. If the Lord is with us, a few people weren't looking at the self-evident screen. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to God is saying, you, you, you. Gideon is saying, us, us, us. So the Lord says, you idiot, let me make it real plain. Go in the strength, what? Go in the strength. Go in, where is it? God's got to get with me, man. Go in the strength. You have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending? He's saying, Gideon, the reason why this world is messed up is not because somebody else is not living their purpose. It's because you're not living yours. Stop looking at your nation. Stop looking at your government. Stop looking at the economy. Stop looking at everybody else. And start looking at what I made when I made you. If you believe you're God's handiwork and you were created for God's purpose and that you are anointed and appointed and formed in the womb, if you believe you're a mighty warrior for God, then I want you to stand to your feet in every campus, lift your voice and give God some praise that He is not sending us. He's sending you. He's saying, end the conflict. Accept your destiny. He's saying to Gideon, get out of the wine press. He's saying to Jeremiah, go to everyone that I send you. He said to Simon, you're Peter, and you have the keys of the kingdom in your hands. He said to Esther, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Your purpose is now. Your purpose is now. Your purpose is not out there. It's not coming in the days that are to come. You don't have to wait to get qualified. You've been qualified by Jesus. You don't have to sit on the sidelines. You don't have to wait in the chair. You're not sitting in the pool. It's not waiting for the time or waiting for the day. Now is the hour and now is the day. God's got a purpose for your life. And if you believe it, give him a great shout of praise in every venue. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.